Galatians chapter 5. We've been in a study here for the last several months through the book of Galatians and have just been unfolding the riches of Christ through this uh, book. It's been a tremendous blessing to me and I've grown in my understanding of salvation and I pray that's been the case with you as well. The title of our series is Living Life in the Liberty of Christ and we've seen how his goal is not for you to live in any bondage. His intent is not that saved, born-again Christians should be bound by anything, whether it's the law or if it's sin or if it's pagan religions. It doesn't matter. He intends for you to be free. And now we're coming into more of the applications of all these truths as we enter into Galatians chapter 5. So once you've found your place there, if you'll stand in honor of God's word, tonight we'll be reading verses 7 through the first phrase of verse 13. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been, yes, let me read that again. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. You've not been called unto bondage, you've been called unto liberty. The title of our message tonight is this, Returning to the Race of Liberty. Returning to the Race of Liberty. So may God bless you in his word. You can be seated and we'll get into our text tonight. Back in my early teen years, we would go to Silver State Baptist Youth Camp. That's still where we go. I've been there 26 out of 20 uh, or 25 out of 27 years, I believe. One year I was interning in Oklahoma City, and one year we had COVID and didn't have camp. And so I've been there for a long time. And going back to probably late elementary, early middle school, they used to have what was called the Mountain Man Race. They don't do it anymore. But what it was is it was a race all the way around the campgrounds. And this is up in the mountains at about 8,500 feet of altitude, and you've got Texans and sea level people up here trying to run this mountain man race. But it was more than just a race. It had some obstacles as well, a uh, little bit of relay and a little bit of CrossFit type stuff maybe. I don't know. I've never done CrossFit, obviously. But uh, anyhow, so they would run around the, the campground, and they'd come to a certain spot, and they would have to do like 10 push-ups, and they'd come to another spot and do 20 sit-ups, and then they came to a place where they would have to do the high steps through tires or through ropes, and then they'd have to go up and down the hills, and those of you that have been to this camp, you know what that would be like. And so they're running and racing up these hills, and then the final obstacle, whenever they come to close to the finish line, it was right down where the zip line comes through camp. It was about a 10-foot tall wall made out of wood. And so they'd have to run up to this thing and they'd have to scale it, climb over it, jump down and then run the last leg of their race. And so awesome obstacle course here. Well, especially when you're from Colorado and you're kind of used to the altitude and you're watching Texans try to do this 
and uh, they're getting they're they're running this race. They are wiped out, and sometimes they'll get to that wall and they'll try a couple times, and then they'll just kind of give up and go away. You know, they they end up out of the race, and so that wall, what it serves is as an obstruction that stands in the way of running a successful race. Well, as we've looked at the book of Galatians, they've been saved by their faith in Jesus Christ under the gospel preaching of the apostle Paul when he came to their region. And they've been freed, many of them from the bondage of paganism there in the region of Galatia. Many of them have been freed from the law, from Judaism and, and the bondage of their sin in that way. And so they've been liberated by Christ to live in the liberty of Christ. They've been called, I'm going to put it this way, they've been called to run this race free of obstacles and obstructions. That's how Christ designed it to be. Now, I'm not saying it's always going to be easy. There are going to be uphill climbs in the Christian life. But in terms of, of obstructions, Christ's intent was for us to run this race free and clear, to do the work that he's given us to do, and to follow him wherever he may lead us to go. But in Galatia, these false teachers had come, and they had presented this idea that, yes, you do need Christ. Absolutely, you've got to have Christ. But if you really want to be righteous, if you really want to be accepted with God, you also need to keep the Old Testament law. You need to be circumcised. You need to keep dietary laws, and you need to keep all the ins and outs and the nuances of, of the law. The idea was this, that Christ initiates your salvation, and the law finishes it, or your righteousness I should say the law is what makes you righteous. Well, Paul's been at work to show them that they do not need the law, that Christ has the capacity to give them all the righteousness they'll ever need through his death, burial and resurrection and their belief in his death, burial and resurrection. He gave them his righteousness for all of eternity so they can stand righteous before God. But then he also makes you righteous right here in this life by giving you the Holy Spirit that it's no longer the law that serves as a schoolmaster, that serves as a tutor, that has to tell you, do this, don't do this, don't do that, do that. It's no longer the schoolmaster of the law. It's now the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you. You draw from that conviction and you make your decision, God willing, in the control of the Holy Spirit. And so what Paul has been showing them is that all the law does is bring them back into a bondage. The state from which Jesus had freed them. And what he's doing now in chapter five is he's calling them to stand fast there in verse one, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Don't go back to the place where Christ freed you from. And now what he's going to do here in our text is he uses the analogy of a race to say that when you first trusted Christ, you first got saved, you, you ran this race well, but you've been hindered. You've been obstructed. And now, rather than running the race that Christ had given you, you're standing there surrounded by the obstructions of false teaching that are keeping you from running this race that he's given you. And what he's telling them is that you have these false teachers who have troubled you. And my desire is that they would be cut off from you, that they'd be completely removed out of the way. Well, just like the Galatians, 
Every one of us who are Christians have been called to run in the race of liberty, to run that race under the freedom of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and under his direction and leadership. We've been called to run that race freely. And yet we all know that there are so many Christians who are held back by obstructions in their lives. And so it may be that even you in here tonight, it may be that when you first trusted Christ, you ran well. But somewhere along the way, there were some obstructions that got into your life. And what they did is they held you back and they sidelined you from the race. And the question is this, how do you return? How do you return to this race of liberty? How do you get out of the bondage? How do you get out of the obstructions that you're dealing with and get back to following the Holy Spirit and living for Christ and him alone? While the Galatians had initially ran well, we see that they've been uh, obstructed by false persuasions by these Judaizers. It says in verse 7, ye did run well. That means that there was a time in your life when you were running this race well. And the word well there, it means in the right manner, that you were running it the right way. You were following the rules, not talking about the rules of the law, but the rules of the gospel, and that is this. You don't need the law to run this race. And so he said you were running it well, the right way. You were guided by truth. You were led by the Holy Spirit, and everything was going great. But then he says, who did hinder you? Who did hinder you? This is a word that means to obstruct. It means to hold in check or to restrain and to hold back. It has the idea that it caused them to stop running, caused them to stop altogether. It's actually a word that's used in their construction industry that means to break up the road. And so the picture here is that they've been running this race and they've been making their way. And then all of a sudden some people came up and they started breaking up the road in front of them and they had to stop right in their tracks. They couldn't go any further. Why? Because the road was all broken up. That's what it means when it says, who did hinder you? And so he says that they've been hindered to the point now in verse seven, that ye should not obey the truth. Now, this word obey is a word that that literally means persuasion. It means, but it's more than just persuasion because you can be persuaded and never do anything about it. But what this means is to be persuaded into action. And so they had been so convinced of the truth that they were acting upon it and they were running this race. But now he's saying somebody has obstructed you that you should no longer be of this persuasion into these particular actions. And then in verse 8, he says this, This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Now, when you consider the analogy he's giving here about a race, the, the calleth you would be referring to somebody who calls people to the starting line. That somebody has called you to the starting line of this race. And we know that would be the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who had saved them by his grace. They had trusted and believed the gospel and they had been set free from that bondage of their past life. And so now he has said, I've got a race for you to get in. I'm calling you to the starting line. And what Paul is saying is there's another persuasion here. This is a slightly different word for persuasion and it means a means of convincing somebody. What he's saying is this 
means of, con- of convincing you. You used to be convinced a certain way, and that was leading you into one action. But he's saying now there's a different persuasion that has come that's leading you into a different action, a different direction. And this new persuasion did not come from Christ who called you. That's not where it came from. And so uh, this first persuasion was true, which Paul preached and came from Christ. The second persuasion was false and did not come from Christ. There's a play on words there in the original um, that I'm, I'm done trying to pronounce those words because I butchered so many of them over the last couple months. But there, there are just a couple in our English language, a couple of letters that are a little bit different, but they sound the exact same. And so what he's saying is you were of this persuasion and now you're of this persuasion and this persuasion is wrong. And then he goes on and he says this, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, this is a phrase that Jesus would often use. And Jesus used this either to describe sin, the nature of sin, and how just a little bit of sin can swell up in your life. The idea is yeast with bread. It swells up in your life and it can become a big, big deal. He also used it in the context of false doctrine, the doctrine of the Pharisees. He told them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they were like, is he upset because we don't have any bread? (laughs) And then he said, did you not just see I just fed 5,000 people with uh, five loaves and two fishes? I don't need bread. And then it says, then they knew he was saying the doctrine of the Pharisees. And so what he's saying here is in your church, you have allowed a little bit of error in. And now this little bit of error is expanding and it's permeating through your church. And now it is fundamentally changing your church. A a law keeping works based mosaic law based church is going to look vastly different from a church that is free in Christ. It's going to look very different. So he says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And so what's happening here is he's saying all it takes is a little bit of obstruction to stop your progress. All it does is it takes a little error, a little wrong way of thinking, one bad interpretation to obstruct you from the truth. Now, all it takes is a moment of spiritual weakness to commit a sin that can sideline you in the race. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Well, the problem here is this. Jesus had a race he intended for them to run. And it was a race of liberty, a race to be able to do what Jesus wanted them to do. And while they were running well at first, this false persuasion has now obstructed them and stopped them in their tracks. It's, it's not a good situation. But in Paul's heart, all hope is not lost for them. Because he says in verse 10, I have confidence in you, through the Lord. He's saying, my trust is not just in you, but the Lord, the Lord has confirmed in my heart that I have reason to have confidence that ye will be none otherwise minded. And so he he says, I, I have confidence, and this continues his play on words, because this is another word that looks similar and sounds similar to the other two words, obey and persuasion. And they all have a a nuance of the meaning to be persuaded. And so what he's saying is this, you used to be persuaded of this, now you're persuaded of this, but I'm persuaded of this. That's the idea of what he's saying here. 
I know that this is where you used to be. I know you've gotten off track, but I am confident in this, that you can get back on track. That while you have been sidelined in this race by false error, I am confident that you're going to be, that having explained all these truths from Galatians chapter 1 through Galatians chapter 4, since I've explained all these truths, I am well convinced and confident in Christ that you're going to return to your first persuasion, that you can come back, that you will get back in the race. But judgment will be reserved for those who trouble you. He says there at the end of verse 10, but he that troubleth you, that's a word that means to agitate, to stir things up, to cause a, a commotion. He says that he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. Paul says, I don't even know who this guy is. He thinks he knows me really well because he's had to correct a bunch of things that whoever this guy or these people are teaching about Paul. But he says, I have no idea who it is, but whoever he is, those that are troubling you. And here's really the, the idea is that this would be those who are coming in with a jackhammer and they're breaking up all the ground in front of you. Okay, there's that, that word again that they, had been, uh, that they had been hindered. And so he's saying they have, they have come in and they've broken up all the ground in front of you. And I want you to know this, that God judges those who promote error. He judges them and it will be swift. And so he will bear it. And so what he's saying here is that uh, just because someone in the church, let me just talk to us for a minute here. Just because somebody in the church might deviate, might get off track a little bit. It doesn't mean that we should just come down on them with the rod of iron and just write them off as a heretic and turn them away, cut them off, never talk to them ever again because they, they changed or they're being persuaded or they might be leaning a certain way doctrinally or, or, or uh, philosophically or whatever it might be. Because what we see in the Apostle Paul is the vast majority of these letters are a very personal letter of love for them saying, I don't want you to go way off the deep end. I'm trying to bring you back. I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to instruct you. And so we can't be so quick to just write people off as though they're a heretic. We need to be willing to love them, to maintain that relationship and try to keep them closer to the truth. Because if we who hold the truth abandon them in one instance, then who's to stop them from going off completely into error? And so we've got to have the attitude that Paul has here as he's, as he's saying, yes, this is how you used to be and this is how you are now. But I'm confident that you'll come back when the light of the truth has been shown again. And so... There's a way back in the race for those who've been obstructed. The question is, what's the solution to this? How do they come back? Well, look at, at verse number 11 with me. Paul says, and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? This implies that what was going on there is some of these Judaizers are saying, Listen, Paul, wherever he goes and preaches the gospel, yes, he preaches Christ, but then he preaches that you need to be circumcised and you need to keep the Old Testament law. We know that's not true. 
But Paul was run out of town so quickly in each and every city of Galatia that it's possible that these false teachers were saying, look, Paul, you know, Paul, Paul had to leave because of persecution. But if he would have stayed, this is what he would have taught you. And so let us step in here and let us give you the message that Paul was really preaching everywhere he went. And he says, let me ask you a question. If I preach that you have to be circumcised in order to be accepted and righteous with God, then why am I still being persecuted? He says at the end of verse 11, then is the offense of the cross ceased. You know what he's saying there? The reason why why I'm so persecuted is because the cross, the preaching of the cross is extremely offensive to Jews. Why? Because the preaching of the cross says you're not good enough. You're not righteous enough and you never could be righteous enough. And so you don't have to keep the Old Testament law because Jesus already did it for you. And so now you can live free in Christ. That's the message that Paul was preaching. And Yet they're saying, no, he was preaching circumcision. And he's just saying, no, the fact that I get persecuted like crazy by the Jews shows you I'm not their friend <laughs> necessarily, that they're not. And while he loved the Jews, the, just the reality is, is that they hated him. They despised him because he was pulling people out of the synagogue and he was pulling people out of the Old Testament law and all those things. And so he just says, listen, if I preach circumcision, then why do I get persecuted still? Because if I preach circumcision, then the offense of the cross, it ceases. There's no need for it. Now, here comes yet another play on words. He uses the word circumcision there. The word circumcision means to cut around. And so the idea maybe is if you had a book. I mean, this is this week's bulletin, so I don't need this anymore. Okay, so to cut around, you can imagine taking the scissors and you're, you're cutting a circle around it. That's what the word circumcision means. Now, look at verse number 12. I would, I wish, I desire that they were even cut off, which trouble you. Here's what cut off means. It means to cut away. It means not just to cut around, not to leave a little bit hanging around, it means to completely sever and separate. It's actually the word they used for amputate. Now, I don't, I've never seen anybody partially amputate a leg, right? You know, just leave like, and by that I mean like leave it hanging on by strings, you know, just kind of cut it off or kind of, you know, no. When you amputate a leg, you're cutting the whole thing off, okay? So we have mostly a men's Bible study here so we can talk about, <laughs> sorry, ladies. But uh, that's what this word cut off means. And so here's, here's what Paul is saying is, look, they, they want to circumcise you. They want to cut around. I've, I want them to be completely cut off, to be severed from you, to be amputated from your church. They've got to be removed. And the reason that they need to be amputated is because they had been called, they had been summoned by Jesus Christ into this race of liberty, not a race of bondage, not a race of law. And so why did Paul desire for them to be removed? Why is that? Paul desired that the false teachers would be uh, cut off from the Galatians because they were obstructing them from running the race of liberty to which Christ had called them. They were obstructing them. They were getting in the way. They were breaking up the ground. Now, I want to I illustrate this 
uh, tonight, and this might take just a minute here to get going, but excuse the dirtiness of these cones. But here's the idea, okay? Um, Christ saved you, and when he saved you, he called you into this race. He summoned you to the starting line. Runners, on your mark, you know, that's what he did. He called you to the starting line. And in this race, you have a, we, we have what I'm going to call the guiding truth. So you, you, you're in this race that has been initiated by the gospel. You've trusted Christ as your savior. So it's initiated by the gospel. It's guided by the truth and it is led by the Holy Spirit. And so this is the picture of the race that we've been given, that the Galatians in particular have been given. He says, Paul says, when I came and I preached the gospel to you, uh, you got saved. It was initiated by the gospel. You believed in, in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, and he was all the righteousness you ever needed. Well, you started running this race well, and you were being guided by the truth, and you were being led by the Holy Spirit, but what happened is when you started getting concerned and you started having these battles in your flesh and you started desiring the things of your old life, the bondage of paganism and the lustful things of the society, and you were worried about abandoning your place in Christ and going after those things, it was at that time that these Judaizers came in and they broke up the ground in front of you. And what it did is it cast the truth to the side and now you're here and you're stopped in your tracks. You can't go anywhere. You can't keep going forward in the race. That's the problem that you have right now. Paul is standing on the other side of this obstruction. And he's saying, he's saying, look at all of this, all this obstruction that's in the way that's keeping you from running the race. And here's what he's going to say. Let me point you back to how it all started. And so he goes through from chapters one through chapter four and the beginning of chapter five. And he's explaining the doctrines of righteousness and justification. And he points them back to their salvation experience and how it was initiated by the gospel, by their faith in Jesus Christ, not by the works of the law, not by works of righteousness, which they had done, but by his mercy, they had been saved. And so Paul goes into these elaborate teachings about how, the, how Christ became a curse so we who were under the curse of the law could be free from the law. He talked about how we received the adoption of sons, that through Christ we're no longer slaves, we're now, uh, we're now sons, we belong to him. And so he, what, what Paul's doing is he's beginning to clear out some of the obstruction and he's beginning to repave the road to the gospel, but he can't do it all for them. What he's saying is this, there is a way for you to get back in the race. There is a way for you to live your life in the liberty of Christ. There is a way for you to run the race of liberty, but the only way to get there is to remove the obstructions. He's saying, you've got to take these false teachers and you've got to get them out of your life. But for us today, we're not all obstructed by false teaching. Um, I don't know of many that are 
dealing with circumcision and dietary laws and going back to the Old Testament law. I, I don't know many that are dealing with that. I don't know many that are on the verge in this room of going back into Buddhism or <laughs> Hinduism or, or anything like that. But what can happen in our lives, though, is the very same thing that was happening with the Galatians. See, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were called. You were summoned to the starting line of this race. It was initiated by the gospel. And God has given us his word to be the guiding truths in our life. And for the things that are not clearly laid out in scripture, he has given us the Holy Spirit. And so it is a race that is initiated by the gospel, guided by the truth, and led by the Holy Spirit. That's the race that every one of us are in. But there can come a time in your life when you face the threat of obstructions. So I'm going to grab some obstructions over here. We'll just kind of go one by one through some of these obstructions. So for some, there might be some who do deal with false teaching. There are some who, as they listen to podcasts, they're being led into obstruction. They read Doug Fields, your first two years of youth ministry, about how your first youth, his first youth activity was a hot tub party in the baptistry for the church. <laughs> Plato's five dialogues, philosophy, and this was given to me by a, a Satanist man that I meet with every single week and talk about Christianity. And, and uh, I haven't gotten to this yet, but I plan to <laughs> just try to get in his mind a little bit. But there are some they can get so deep into philosophy and forget about the truth that they start just taking everything that Plato and Socrates and, and Aristotle said. And they just start taking this truth and it's an obstruction in their life. There are some who spend countless hours on YouTube and they're they're watching these they're watching uh, people who were saved out of atheism that know next to nothing about the Bible. And they're speaking uh, bad about the church and they're speaking bad about the Bible. And they're speaking about how it, it's not really about this structured religious system. It's about finding the divine that's out there in the world. And so they spend all their time on YouTube and it's an obstruction in their lives. Then there are some who maybe have some hobbies like fishing and they love to go fishing and they go fishing every single Sunday, cast it out on the lake and it ends up being an obstruction in their life. There are some who they get real deep into their hobbies of photography and they spend their time on the weekends instead of spending time with God in church and they're out there shooting footage. They're out there uh, taking pictures of the creation because it's beautiful. It's awesome. But they're not taking the time to behold the one who made it all. And it can just become an obstruction in their lives. There's some who their job had to have something for ladies here. I don't even know how this works. This looks like my dad's first laptop if it was black. 
not pink if it was black. <laughs> so they've got their job and they're constantly on, on their computer, they're at work for 10, 12 hours a day and then they bring their laptop home and they're sitting there on their computer and they never take the time to open the word of God. They never take the time to study theological truths and, and they, they pick up some hours on Thursday nights during Bible study and they pick up some hours on, on Sundays and before you know it, their job just owns them and it ends up being an obstruction that sidelines them. Some people go after money and yeah, there's not much in there. And so they got to get more. And so they do pick up more hours and they start working overtime and they're working 80 hours a week and they're racking up credit card bills. And, and now they're so focused on getting all that debt paid off because they bought this car and they bought this house and then the, the market boomed and then inflation boomed and now everything's so expensive. They're just fighting for survival, trying to stay on top and it's ended up being obstruction in their lives. And then there are those who, now, I wish I had a basketball. Does anybody play kickball during the week? No. Well, maybe some kids, okay? But there are some who have their kickball team. <laughs> maybe softball, but it's an obstruction. There we go. And they've got their, their softball team. Hey, let's just say there are churches all over the place. And I'm, I, I love sports. I'm not against it. I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I love sports. I love fishing. I love taking pictures. All those things, I really enjoy those things. I'm not saying they're bad in and of themselves. What I'm saying is this, that there are some men in church who will go to their softball games every single Sunday and it'll become like a religion to them. And because they want the support, they bring their kids and they bring their wives over to the softball field too. And, and now their kids aren't going to church anymore. And now they, they have next to no knowledge about God and, and sports just becomes an obstruction to them. And the Broncos... We like Culver's, obviously. For some people, Culver's is an obstruction to arteries and the spirit and everything. <laughs> but for some, it's the Broncos. They're going to take that weekend trip to Vegas because they're playing the Raiders instead of being in church on Sunday. And it's an obstruction. And then there's, well, Culver's. And then for ladies, there's shopping and purses. And for some men, there's mercies. And for some people, there's relationships. And they spend all their time texting and Facebook and social media and dating apps. And they're just looking for that next person. They're trying to get that next relationship. Or they're so focused on chasing the one that they really want right now that they're just obstructed and so before you know it and obviously I could have picked a lot bigger things because they're really bigger in your life than even these things illustrate but what happens is Christ has called you to a race and it's been initiated by the gospel and this race is different for every one of us for some the race is full-time ministry it's to be a pastor it's to be a missionary for some, it's a career path. For some, it's an educational path. For some, it's a race that is very difficult, challenging, full of pain and suffering. And times we look at their situation and just say, I don't know why God gave them that race, but that's the race that he's given them. And so they all may be different, but every one of our races 
involves this essential facet. And that is that as we are running our race, it's to reach out and grab others and bring them in as well. To win people to Christ, classmates, neighbors, friends, co-workers, that you're just trying to fulfill God's purpose for your life and you're trying to run that race and you're trying to get as many people to Christ as you can along the way. That's what he's given us. But what happens is we can allow these obstructions in our life to stop us right where we're at and to sideline us from the race and we end up off in no man's land. And on the other side is the Apostle Paul and it's Christ, and it's the Holy Spirit. And what they're saying is this, just because you're sidelined right now doesn't mean you have to stay there. There's a way out. There's a way through it. Stop trying to live for your own self-righteousness because that's a race you could never run on your own. And so Jesus chose to come and he chose to run it for you and he perfectly fulfilled the law and lived sinless and innocent and perfectly righteous and he gave his life on the cross of Calvary so that he could take your sin upon himself and take his righteousness and put it upon you and that's all the righteousness that you need. And so rather than letting all these obstructions stand in your way and keep you from running the race, what you need to do is if you want to return to the race, then you got to start clearing the pathway and you got to start getting maybe the photography out of your life and maybe the softball team out of your life and maybe you need to take a break from fishing just a break because not too long but just a break and then you need to get the camera out of your life and and you need to get the philosophers and and the other uh, teachers that are transmitting into your life and they're teaching you a works-based salvation or they're teaching you uh, about the fact that that it's not a it's not a, a, a free will but that it's that God chose who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to hell. And it might be that there's some podcasts and some books in your life that you need to just clear out of the way. And, and it might be that you need to get off YouTube because most of those people have no clue what they're talking about and haven't picked up a Bible in years anyways. And you need to get soccer out of your way for sure. And you need to get the money out of the way. And you need to get your job, maybe get a different job because it's keeping you from running the race. And what will happen is this, that as you clear your life, of the obstructions that keep you from running the race, then you'll be able to get back in that race that was initiated by the gospel in the first place and one that is guided not by your emotions, not by your feelings, not by anybody else, but one that's guided by truth, by the scripture, and one that's being led by the Holy Spirit. And what that will do is it'll free up your life to where you can go where Jesus wants you to go. And you can be who Jesus wants you to be. And you can win the people Jesus wants you to win. And there might even be at the end of a different, very long aisle, a bride there in a white gown. That if you would just get rid of the one that you're talking to all the time right now and that's consuming your thoughts right now, that he's got a marriage down the road for you that's far better. Why? Because it was initiated by the gospel, it was guided by truth, and it was led by the Holy Spirit. And what you'll find is this. That when you live your life in the liberty of Jesus Christ, you'll discover that in the gospel and in the truth and in the Holy Spirit, you have every single thing you need at your disposal to live for God right here, right now, without the law and without all those obstructions that just get in the way. You got everything that you need.
And so the question for you tonight is this. What's obstructing you tonight? It might be that there is a job that needs to be changed because it doesn't let you serve the Lord or because it owns so much of your time, you got no time for your family. Or it might be a relationship in your life that you've been clinging to and holding on to and fighting for. And if you just let that go, then the spirit could lead you to the right one. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I do know this. I know my own propensity, and that is to get sidetracked, to get sidelined, to get focused on, on other things. But all it does is breaks up the ground in front of you and keeps you from running the race. And so if you're here tonight and maybe your life has been sidelined, maybe you are standing to the side. Or maybe you're on the verge right now and you just know deep inside all these obstructions are in my life and I'm about to get out of the race. I want you to know this. There is a pathway to return and the pathway to returning to the race of liberty is to clear out the obstructions in your life. And when you will, you'll be guided by truth. You'll be led by the spirit and he, he will bring you across the finish line to make you everything that Jesus wanted you to be. Father, we come before you tonight and are grateful for the truth of the gospel. I'm thankful 